What's interesting, I've noticed that it seems like there's a master class for everything. I don't know, uh, maybe you're not on Instagram as much as I am, but I always get these ads for some kind of master class and like they can uh, teach you to cook with Gordon Ramsay. Uh, my kids are really excited about that one. They're a big fan. You know, you can, uh, you, you can learn to write a song with Alicia Keys, all these different master classes, but what there doesn't exist is a master class for relationships. The reason is, is because most of the world is clueless on how to have a healthy, successful, prosperous relationship that grows and does everything that God intends it to be. In fact, my wife and I were just talking about this the other day. When you look to the world, the advice that is in the world when it comes to the subject of relationships isn't how to make your marriage last and grow and be successful. The advice is how to know when to call it quits. That's the advice that the world is giving. Fortunately, though, we have an advantage. We can look to Scripture. We can look to God's Word, who is the author of love and the author of relationships, to know His purpose and His intent. And I hope you understand that. When we talk about relationship masterclass, I'm not getting up here saying that I'm the master. Far from it. In fact, anytime I get up and preach to you, I'm never preaching to you from just my own personal experience or my wisdom. Nobody would want that. That would be very limited. But when we look to God, who is infinite and unlimited, we can look to his wisdom and discover what he has to say to us. Well, to do that today, we're going to look in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and take a look at God's plan for your relationships. And I want to encourage you, regardless of where you're at, whether you've been married 40 years or whether you are single thinking, man, this isn't even going to apply to me. Well, can I show you, you can still learn something new no matter how long you've been married. I believe that you're going to get something out of this. And even if you're like, man, I'm not even in this place and this from a mind right now, can I just tell you, that's why this is a master class. You don't wait till test day to start to prepare. The class is to help you for the test. So we're here to help you for when you get to this point. And I also just want to recognize the pressure on single people, especially you know, on a day like today, simply everywhere you go, you're just reminded, and sometimes you can be made to feel uh, like you're less than, like, you know, you go to a restaurant, and you just want to take yourself out to eat, you go to a restaurant, and they're like, are you expecting somebody else? And like, no, it's just, just me, that's very hurtful, I just want to have a nice meal, or, you know, it's like everywhere you go, there's a reminder, I mean, even your Bluetooth speaker, you go to turn it on, it says, ready for connection, it's like, thank you, yeah, that, that hurt, <laughs> I am ready for connection, uh, anytime now, God, but I just want to acknowledge that it can be, man, just another reminder on relationships, but there's no shame in singleness. In fact, you look at the greatest people God used in Scripture were single. I mean, you think of, a, there's a number of people, but think of the Apostle Paul, think of Jesus, think of Daniel. There's, there's multitudes of people who were single in Scripture that lived a fulfilled, purposeful life, and uh, so I just want to throw that out there. There's no shame in singleness, but... God does have a plan for relationships, and we're going to learn from that today in Ecclesiastes. So let's begin. Chapter 4, verse 9, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone, and I always hear this in a Mr. T uh, voice, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. 
Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So last week, my wife gave us a great message on relationship roots. And today, I want to continue what she started by talking to you about relationship ropes. And I'm calling this message, if you're taking notes, and all the people who love Jesus take notes, just throwing that out there. Uh, if you're taking notes, I'm calling this message, learning the ropes, learning the ropes. Hey, it's always my custom to pray, and I know that I need God's help before I get up here. And what, wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, I bet that you probably need God's help too. So would you just pray with me as we go to the Lord today and ask for his blessing on this word this morning. God, thank you so much that you do help us and we're not alone. Even as it says two are better than one, I thank you, God, that we're not alone when we have you in our life. So God, use me today. Holy Spirit, speak through me. You know exactly what people need to hear. You know what they're facing. So God, let this be a word that helps them take a next step. Let this be a word that helps them move forward in your plan and your purpose for them. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that can say amen. I'm curious, since it is Valentine's Day, um, those of you who are in a relationship, maybe you're started dating, maybe you're engaged, maybe you're married. I'm curious, how many of you have a pet name for your significant other? Like, you know, a little cute, little nickname that you have. I've kind of see your hands proud, like just a couple of, I'm not going to make you say it out loud, okay? I'm not going to embarrass you. Okay, point number one of this message, get a pet name, all right? This is going to help you so much. Uh, <laughs> When you have a pet name, um, Marissa has pet names for me. I can't really share them. They're not really church appropriate, but um, it, it's helpful to, to have a pet name. Maybe a pet name is not your thing, uh, but how many of you who are in a relationship, dating, all that, how, how many of you have a song? Like you have a song for your relationship. Can I see your hands? Okay, we're doing horrible. Let me know in the chat uh, if you have a song. Point number two, get a song for your relationship, all right? This, this is going to help you out. I'm glad you're taking notes. This, this is going to be good for you. So, um, Marissa and I have a song. I told, last service, I said that it was, uh, it, it was um, Disney's Aladdin, A Whole New World. Uh, I don't know how that entered in. I thought that was our song. She told me, no, it's um, Britney Spears, Hit Me Baby One More Time. So, I guess that's why I got the Britney mic on today. Uh, just kind of channeling those vibes uh, for Valentine's Day. But uh, whether you have a song, you know, whether you... Actually, the funny thing is, I used to uh, write Marissa songs every Valentine's Day when we started, when we started dating. I, uh, you know, I was a broke college student when we met. And when you're a broke college student, you look for ways to give great gifts that don't cost much money. And so I was into music at the time and record. And I would, uh, I would write these songs and record it on this program called Audacity, and, uh, and then I'd burn it on a CD, you remember what those are, and, uh, and mail it to her, and I haven't done it since we got married. After three years, we got married, felt like I, mission accomplished, didn't need to do it anymore. So I thought it'd be great to um, just perform for you guys, no, I'm just kidding, I didn't write her a song uh, for today. <laughs> but um, whether you have cute nicknames for each other, or you have a song for your relationship, or you, you, my wife is into gifts. And maybe you're kind of into mementos. Maybe you, uh, maybe maybe you kept your your ticket stubs from the very first movie date that you went on. Whatever it is, 
You know, the reason we have these things, the reason we hold on to these things is because they're a representation of our relationship. They're emblematic in some ways. They signify a certain memory or thought or caricature of our relationship that we want to remember and hold on to. It's kind of like, well, you know, I, I call her Sugar Plum because we started dating around Christmas time or, you know, something like that. Or, you know, our, our song is Despacito because our first date was at a Mexican restaurant and that was the only song they played that I knew. I, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. Like, you have these reasons why these things are significant in your life and, and you hold on to them. And I'm bringing that up because in one sense... That idea of a, a symbol or an emblem is kind of what's happening here in Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer is wanting us to know that good relationships, he, he's wanting to make this connection between a relationship and a rope. He says, a good relationship, it's like a rope. And, and he, he talks about how. Now, I don't know if you know much about Ecclesiastes, um, I'll, I'll explain it to you. Ecclesiastes is part of what is called or known as wisdom literature. So in the Bible, you know, there's two big classifications. There's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. And then all the books of the Bible are broken into other classifications beyond that. So wisdom literature is a part of the Old Testament. It's got Job, the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. So if you need wisdom in your life, it's great to go to the wisdom literature. But I've always, in particular, been drawn to Ecclesiastes because Ecclesiastes deals with the difficult questions of life. And the way it does it, the, the writer doesn't pull any punches. He, he doesn't write about the challenges of life in a cliche or trite way. No, the book of Ecclesiastes, it addresses the hard questions that you and I all face. It it meets head-on the challenges and the pain that is part of the human existence. And that's why of the 12 chapters in Ecclesiastes, chapter 4 is all about relationships because it's that important in life. It's that significant. And at the heart of this chapter, the writer is using this picture to help us understand what a good relationship, what a right relationship looks like, saying, Right relationships in your life, that they're going to bring help when you need it. They're going to bring comfort when you need it. They're going to bring protection when you need it. Good relationships in your life are like a rope, not something that's easily broken. It's like a rope. And I was thinking how I can illustrate this to you. And um, Pastor Nate, if you would grab my illustration, I, I need, I don't always do this, and we definitely haven't done it for a while. But I needed a little help, and so um, Brian and Rosemary, I didn't ask you about this, but I'd like you to come give me a hand if you would. I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you too bad, but uh, would you give them a round of applause so they can come up here and feel encouraged? And uh, Brian and Rosemary, I know them because uh, they're engaged. You guys are engaged, going to be getting married soon, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm not doing all of their premarital counseling, but I felt like we can kind of you know, two birds with one stone, we'll do some of it, and we'll make a message out of it, and it'll be helpful. So um, the writer says that good relationships are like a rope, and I know you guys don't know what I'm going to ask you to do, but if you could just start, I've got some stuff in this box, if you could just take those all out and just kind of straighten them out, make sure there's no knots in them, uh, 
make sure that, uh, you know, that everything's straight and just kind of separate them out because I'm going to need them later. Because, you know, in some ways we want to start with good relationships, but the truth is we can't start with a good relationship. Lots of times we've got our own mess we've got to deal with. Lots of times we've got some things that we're caught up in that we need to break free from. Uh, lots of times, you know, we might even find ourselves in an entanglement from time to time that uh, we, we need help getting out of. And that, that's why it's so important to be in a group, by the way, because you don't just need like a romantic relationship, a marriage relationship to have this kind of help in your life. Again, you know, Ecclesiastes is not necessarily talking about romance. It's just talking about relationships. And you need people in your life who can give you a different perspective sometimes. You need people in your life who, who see things a little different than you are and than you do and can help you uh, organize, can help you straighten out the problems in your life. And so uh, as we get started in this, I just want to remind you that it says two are better than one. We need some people in our life. And I recognize you guys don't really know what you're getting into by being up here. And honestly, that's the way marriage is. Like you don't know what you're getting into when you signed up for this. Sometimes it's more than you can handle. Sometimes it's a little bit more than what you bargained for. But uh, that, that's the way relationships are. And uh, so you guys got that? Okay, great. I'm going to have you come up. And again, you can have a seat for now. You can go, uh, come get a round of applause. That's great. So um, appreciate your help with that. So relationships are like a rope, the writer says. Verse 9, two are better than one. They have a good return for their labor. You guys did a great job. And then it says, verse 10, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. So lots of times, you know, we might read this and we think about, man, if you trip, if you stumble, if, if you fall, like, you know, somebody can be there to help you up. But I think about this as what can only happen in the context of relationship. I think about how we need people to help pull us up sometimes and not just trip and fall. Marissa, would you help me with this? Not just tripping and, and falling, but maybe falling in a place that you cannot always get out of. So, sometimes you fall down in a pit. So, sometimes you, you fall down and you need some help working your way up. So this is, again, just a picture of a good relationship is that, is that if one falls down, the other person can help pull them up. And the way this works in right relationships is this isn't just one-sided because sometimes like in marriage, I'm going to pull her up. And then there's, there's going to be other times in our relationship where she is going to be pulling me up. And that's why I just want to say about this, keep pulling me up, is because uh, never feel bad if you find yourself in this position in a relationship. It's okay to need help sometimes. It's, it's okay to have somebody lend a helping hand. It's okay to put yourself in a situation where you don't always know everything, where you need other people in your life. I like it. I, I love putting myself in relationships with people where I'm not the smartest person in the room, where I can ask a question and somebody can teach me. So I'm pulling her up. She's pulling me up. And in a good relationship, this is what's happening. You keep going to another level. Your relationship keeps growing. You keep going higher. Got it? All right. Now, that makes sense. But the problem is a lot of our relationships don't work that way. A lot of our relationships, what happens, you can stay there for a minute, babe, when you go to no longer pulling each other up, but, you can come with me now, please. So, 
What happens when what's supposed to be a strength of pulling each other up now becomes a struggle because what we're doing is we're, not, we're no longer pulling each other up, we're pulling for our preferences. Except it doesn't stay there. If you stay in the struggle long enough, what was a strength becomes a struggle, then what's a struggle becomes a shackle. And instead of pulling you up, now I'm holding you down. And instead of using the strength of the relationship that God has given us to build each other up and take us higher, now I'm keeping you tied down and we're not growing. This has always been a dream of mine, by the way. Just kidding. It's the same relationship, but wrong purpose. It's the same rope, but it's not being used as God intended. This is what happens lots of times in our relationship. It's supposed to be a strength, but we end up in a struggle or a shackle And I want to help you with this today. Good job. Can we give my wife a round of applause? You did so great. How does that happen? How do you go from strength to struggle to shackle? How how do you take the same rope but end up with a different purpose? How do you take the same relationship but now it's not working right? It happens whenever we get things out of order. And what you got to know about God is that God is a God of order. I mean, think about this. Even just the beginning of creation, you see that God is a God of order. Have you ever thought about this? Like at the beginning of creation, you probably know the Genesis account where God creates the world and he takes and he creates different things on different days. But you realize God didn't have to do that, right? Like God could have, if he wanted to, just said creation be. And in that moment, Everything that he intended would have, come to in, would have come to existence. Yet, for whatever reason, he chose to do one thing one day, another thing another day, another thing another day. Why? Because God is a God of order. And in relationships, there's order. Whenever we get things out of order, we end up with misuse abuse, misunderstanding, and we end up with something that God never intended. Have you ever got things out of order before in your life? Have you ever tried to like build Ikea furniture and like you missed a step? And you have to like pray in tongues to get that one figured out because that is a challenge. <laughs> when you, one time I built this shelf for Marissa and I like flipped the thing around backwards and it was the final step and I realized it and it was like the third step that I missed, I just left it. I didn't want to mess with it again. It's too much work to try and go back and fix it. That's why I don't build things anymore at our house. Marissa builds everything. I call her Babe the Builder. That's one of my pet names for her. And, uh, and so she, you know, she builds, and I watch, and it works out. But when you get things out of order, it causes confusion. It causes hurt. It causes pain. And so if we want to get things in order, then we have to look at God's intention. And nowhere is that more important than in relationships. So I want us to look at the very first relationship in Scripture to understand God's intent. 
And this, by, by the way, is a, this is a, a principle of Bible study. So any Bible students in here want to learn to study God's Word, there's uh, hermeneutics is, the, is the, the term. And when you're studying Scripture, there's something called the law of first mention, meaning that the first time that the Bible introduces a subject is prescriptive and definitive and helpful in the understanding of that subject. So if we want to understand what God wants us to know about relationships, we need to understand in the light of the first relationship. So think about the first relationship. Think about creation, right? God created the world. He created uh, everything that we see, and he made everything separate days. He said that this is good, this is good, this is good, and he made Adam, and when he got to Adam, he said, it's not good that man should be alone. It's an opportunity for the husbands to say amen. It is not good for man to be alone. Um, so we see this. He, he made everything, said it was good, not good for man to be alone. And it's interesting because you just read through the chapter. So this is good, this is good, this is good. When he gets to man, he says it's not good, and that's because he knew he could do better. It's for the wives to say amen, all right? I'm just trying to help, just give everybody a chance to participate. No, but so, so he, he made man, he made woman, but what's crazy is w that's when the problem started. Don't say amen to that. Nobody. So, so... The reason the problem started, though, is because that's when things started to get out of order. And truth is, they're still complicated today. Not just complicated back then. I mean, it's complicated. I don't, I don't even know. Like, I can't even imagine um, dating today. I don't know how, I mean, how you do it. You do it through an app. Pastor Nate, can you tell us how it works? You swipe and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, back in the day, like, when I started dating, you actually had to have a conversation with somebody if you wanted to ask them out. And uh, it's like, I grew up in church. So, I mean, church girls were really hard to try and get to go out on a date. Like, you really had to have some, some game to get it going. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, you'd go up and like, hey, hey, girl, you want to you be in my prayer circle? I just want to know what your needs are, you know, so I can pray, so I can pray for you or... Um, Really, the one, the, one, the one that I used, which was, uh, which was helpful for me, is, you know, Philippians talks about whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, what, whatever's beautiful, whatever's good, think on these things. So I, said, I just think of you. That's, that's what I do. And so just trying to help you, you know, with some game. I don't know if that stuff still works, but um, just things that will bless your life, you know, like, well, just like the, the wall of Jericho, I fell for you when you walked past me. It's um, all sorts of things. But... I'm saying it's, it's, it's confusing. Things get out of order, and we got to get our relationships in order if we're going to get it right. Well, how did it get so complicated? we got to look at the first relationship. And I know you thought I was talking about Adam and Eve, but the truth is the first relationship was not Adam and Eve. The first relationship was Adam and God. You read through Genesis, first three chapters in Genesis, you see the creation story. God creates everything, says it was good. But in Genesis chapter 2, you see that before God created Eve, he created Adam. 
and Adam was complete. Adam wasn't a half person. He wasn't looking for somebody else to complete. I'm not trying to help you understand if you're single today, you don't need somebody else in your life to complete you. Adam was complete. He had fellowship with God. He had communion with God. God walked with him. God talked with him. God gave him a purpose and a mission. And he was in fellowship with God. That's the first relationship before Eve ever came on the scene. And what I'm trying to help you see is that until you get this relationship right, no other relationship is going to be right. Until you get your relationship with Jesus right, every other relationship is going to be out of order. And what happens lots of times in marriage is we're looking for another person to be the role of Jesus, to be the role of God in our life. What I mean by that? I'm looking for you to meet needs in my life that nobody else can fill. I'm looking for you to make me happy, I'm looking for you to, to give me love and joy and peace or whatever other fruit of the Spirit you want in your life. You're looking for somebody else to do something to meet a need that only God can fill. And if you don't get the order right, you're going to end up in a mess. You're going to end up in knots, relational knots. In fact, think about this. It was after Adam, right, was made in the image of God, living in the presence of God, understood the will of God, and doing the work of God. It was after that that God said, it's not good for him to be alone. So here's the application, ladies. If you got a man in your life who is not in the image of God, is not in the presence of God, doesn't know the will of God, is not doing the work of God, it's good for him to be alone. You just stay away from that for a while. Because until you get this right, no other relationship is going to be right. But somehow in our culture, we've made marriage a substitute for the source. And this is the only point that I want you to write down if you're taking notes. The only thing I got for you is that when you substitute the source, your strength becomes a struggle. When you substitute the source, your strength becomes a struggle. Your relationship is supposed to be a strength. Your marriage relationship is supposed to be a strength to your relationship with God. It's not supposed to be a substitute for your relationship with God. But a lot of people, they're looking for things in marriage that only God can give them. And we allowed something or someone else to take the place of God. In fact, the reason many of us don't find true love when we're married is because we've never found our first love. We've, we've never found what God has for us in relationship with him. And that's what happened in Genesis. God created Adam, created Eve, but then their desire went to another place. They exchanged the source for a substitute, and you know the story, and now they've got tension in their lives. Okay, Brian and Rosemary, this is where I need your guys' help. You guys want to come back down here? Now they've got tension in their lives. And this is what it looks like. You saw how Marissa, Marissa and I demonstrated it for you, right? Okay. So you take one end, 
Rosemary, you take the other end. Hopefully you can figure this out. All right, get on this end here. You can stay in the front. All right, you're good. Yeah, yeah. Now there's tension in your life. Whenever your desire goes to a substitute instead of the source, you guys are going to have way more tension in your life than this, I promise you. All right. Put some tension on the rope. This is a picture of, of most marriages. Fighting for what he wants, fighting for what she wants. Now what's interesting is that and they, they're not married yet, so they obviously don't understand how these things really work. Um, but what's interesting is that lots of times we look at our relationships and we look at the tension in our life as a problem. But one thing I want to just point out to you is that this rope, even though, yes, it's not being used correctly right now, they're fighting with each other. There's a tension between the two of them. The truth is, this rope is useless without tension. Everything that this rope is supposed to do, whether it's to pull somebody up or tie something down, hold something together, it only works. It's only filling its purpose when there's tension. It's only being used like it's meant when it's being stretched. And sometimes in your relationship, you might feel stretched. Sometimes in your relationship, man, this is not easy. This is not comfortable right now. And granted, as we're demonstrating it right now, it's not being used correctly. But can I tell you that tension is not a sign of something being incorrect. T tension is not a, a sign of, of something being misused. Sometimes the stretching in your life, sometimes the tension that comes from a relationship is actually fulfilling God's purpose. Well, it's interesting, even that passage where two have a good return for their labor that word labor isn't just like physical. It actually can mean emotional. It's actually almost better translated tension because you're going to have it in life anyway, but when you're doing it the way God wants you to do, it has a purpose. So this is, the problem is when tension becomes contention. Now you're fighting with each other. So tension that only goes this way is going to leave you exhausted. It's going to leave you hurt. It's going to leave you sore. It's going to leave you tired. So what's the solution? Well, Marissa mentioned last week, we have to be rooted in Jesus. I told you that we have to have things in order. What am I trying to say? That Jesus has to be first, meaning he's got to be highest in priority and at the center of authority. This is how I would illustrate it. Can you put that on the screen? You've got a husband and wife. There's tension in their lives, but when Jesus is at the center, when he is the highest in priority and the center of authority, well, then we've got something that we can work with. Let's put it this way. You guys can put that rope down for a minute. I want you to grab, you grab this end here. Rosemary, you can grab this end here. I don't know if we're in knots. That could be the case because sometimes even though you, got, you think you got things straightened out, you got to go back to work at it. So I want you to go all the way towards that door there. Go all the way up the stairs there. Will you guys do that for me? So the truth is, this is how a relationship is supposed to work. Is that Jesus is reaching out to you. Right now, these people are not together. But God's heart, God's desire is that the two 
shall become one. And in order for the two to be one, what happened? When this happened, they got to be joined together. So in a healthy relationship where there was tension with wrong desires, where Jesus is not at the center, where Jesus is not the highest priority in their life, they're fighting with each other. But when you bring Jesus into your relationship, when he is first, when he is the center of authority, when he is the highest in priority, well, now, as he is drawing two people to himself, what's happening? As Jesus draws them in, they're coming together. Sometimes people come a little faster than the others. That's right. Sometimes it takes guys a while to get it. Sometimes, you know, it, there, there's, a, there, there's problems where it's not easy. You've got a long ways to go. When Jesus reaches out, sometimes we're, we're far off. But what happens? As they draw close to Jesus, it would be a lot better if you help me out. Just come in front of me. Oh. <laughs> They're drawn together. And see how this is supposed to work? Boy, thank you guys. Can we give them a round of applause? We can drop the rope. As they move closer to Jesus, they're moving closer to each other. Now, they're holding the same rope. But sometimes in the relationship, this is what happens to most of us. We let go of the rope. We let go of the rope because why? It's awkward. It's, em it's embarrassing, maybe. It's uncomfortable. We, we let go of the rope because we're a lot... We're not as far along as we want to be. We let go of the rope because it's painful. Last service, somebody got hit in the head. I mean, sometimes, so sometimes there's pain involved. Sometimes you, there, there's casualties, not even in the relationship. There, there's people that get hurt just as, as bystanders. But if you will hold on to the connection of Jesus, as you hold on, you get closer to one another. Problem is sometimes we encounter pain back here and we let go. And this is really the heart of the message that I wanted to give to everybody today because I wanted to give a, bring a message for anybody who's let go of the rope. Anybody who's, who's let go because it doesn't look like what they thought it was supposed to look like. I mean, may, maybe you're single and you let go because it seems so far away. Maybe you're married and you let go because it got awkward and painful and uncomfortable. But don't let go of the rope just because you seem so far apart. Don't let go of the rope just because it got difficult. Don't let go of the rope just because you stumbled along the way. Don't let go of the rope just because you've got a long ways to go. Don't let go of the rope just because you got embarrassed. Don't let go of the rope just because things didn't go as planned. Don't let go of the rope just because it's hard. Don't let go of the rope just because it hurts right now. Don't, don't let go of the rope because there's hope in the rope and his name is Jesus. And if you will hold on, God will draw you together. The problem is we lots of times trying to work things out this way when we need to have Jesus at the center. And this is the only healthy love triangle you will ever be in.
So I want to say a prayer for every, every person here, specifically for those who have felt like letting go. And I don't know, maybe you're watching online. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe this message is for you on Valentine's Day. You felt like letting go. God put in my heart to pray for you today. Would you bow your head with me?